Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. How are you doing, Nate? You know, I'm doing okay. Yeah. We hadn't talked uh, for one of these in such a long time that I was just like really enjoying my life. (laughs) But now that we have to start like recording again and getting in contact and talking to each other, I mean, I've just been dreading doing this and so i was i've been good but right now i'm just not doing as great How yeah about you yeah i uh i missed you man <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to take the opposite of what you said um no it has been a while i don't uh, like I feel like I know how to do this because we've done it so much, but uh, but for those listening, we've kind of been uh, been taking it easy lately. We've had a bunch of stuff going on in our personal lives, and uh, and there's just uh, most of the records that we were like really pushing forward towards the beginning of the year. We're now kind of at a slow time for music here, where it tends to be Christmas music and stuff like that that's coming out. So. Um, so we don't have a ton. I mean, there's so many albums we could still talk about. But one of the things that you guys can keep a lookout for is we're probably going to be putting out a bunch of content here towards the end of the year, our top 10 albums of the year, and maybe just some other year end talking about all the music from 2020, which there's been a lot of and a lot of good stuff. I would say music's the one thing that uh, that 2020 didn't mess up. So... Um, <laughs> So yeah, just keep a lookout for that. But welcome to our Leanne LaHavis episode. We are excited to go through her album. We're going to go through her self-titled album, Leanne LaHavis. If you haven't listened to that album yet, we would suggest listening to it uh, before you continue the podcast, just so you have a little bit of context with the album, because we are going to be going track by track through that album if you haven't listened and you just want to hear our take on every song and then listen to it after, that's also totally fine. So, uh, so yeah, Nate, you ready to jump into this? Yes, sir. Before we get started, we just want to let you know about a new album by Jesse Kivel. The record's called Infinite Jess. It's out on November 13th on Jesse's own new feelings label. It's his own label, which is pretty sick. Uh, His lead single, William, is a pulsing, expansive meditation on the state of Maine, missed opportunities, and infinity. Here's a quick clip of that lead single right here. Maybe the words won't come. Maybe I'll always be the one who loves you. Your hands upon your knees. Shaking at the thought of me. There is no end, there is no end. All right, now let's get started on the track by track review. So, Andrew, uh, before we get started, um, if you don't mind, I just want to share how we kind of discovered Leanne um, just because uh, 
we we like to talk when we're first talking about an artist we kind of like to share that discovery story but we both have the same story so i'll just speak on our behalf so what we've been doing with all our interviews is after the interview we'll ask the artist hey is there any artist slash song you'd like to add to our black artists playlist and it's just a way we started the playlist just as a way to get try and help give recognition to black artists but also for us to be pushed to to learn more and discover more black artists um, and be more intentional in that uh, pursuit so one thing we do is we ask those who we've interviewed hey is there any song or artist you'd like to add? And Lexi uh, from Mini Trees recommended Leanne Le Havas. And it was right before her record was being released, I think. Um, so there's a few singles out. And I listened to, I think it was Can't Fight. And I was like, wow, this is like pretty good. And then time went on. We were really busy with listening a lot for other interviews um and when we have an interview we list like that we basically only listen to that record for weeks and so once we finished our last interview that we did we were like all right what should we review next and this just seemed like an obvious choice of hey if this record is as good as those first few songs were that we listened to like this would be a no-brainer and so we both started listening and I reached out to you like a week after we both started listening and I was like so what do you think and and you were I mean you were like ecstatic yeah you were pumped yeah I've been I've been excited to do this album so uh that's kind of how we discovered uh Leanne thank you Lexi uh, we appreciate it. And uh, if you have any other uh, black artists, and specifically um, artists that remind you of Leanne, I mean, we're open to all different styles, and Leanne is unique too, but um, just because if you're listening to this episode, you probably like music similar to what she does. Um, that would be well appreciated. Just reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter or our email. We're big on emails. So yeah, first track. Let's just dive straight into it. Bittersweet, my relationship with you, Andrew. Let's listen to a small clip. What are your thoughts on Bittersweet? Yeah, this is a really, really solid first track. I think especially, again, we're newer to Leanne's music. If you're not familiar with her music, um, this just helps kind of intro what you should expect throughout the album um, from the dynamic range, uh, some of the standouts from a musical um uh, perspective on this song are the piano, bass guitar, and electric guitar. Um, 
But if you've listened to Leanne before, you know that you should probably focus a lot on her smooth and soulful voice, uh, which really does carry the whole album. And I think her vocal range from the low, smooth vocals that she has early on to some high belting, uh, piercing notes and the incredible vocal runs that she does. She really she has just the perfect voice for her style. You can definitely tell that she's mature in her songwriting and approach to music too like she knows exactly how far to push the instruments how far to push her voice and it never sounds effortful it always feels effortless i'm not sure if effortful's a uh, a Def- word definitely, definitely not, not. <laughs> but um uh but yeah it, it never sounds like she's really working for it it just feels very natural and so i feel like it's perfect track uh to start the album out so nate what are your thoughts on this song yeah, so I mean, I had a very similar uh, take as you. The first thing I noticed about the song is how sparse it is. I think there's a lot of space um, where uh, it's like just percussion or it's very minimalist. And despite the instrumental being, um, it's incredible. It creates this awesome, really cool mood. The music being that sparse gives space for Leanne's voice to just fill it up and like take over the track. And um, obviously we'll talk more as we go through the record. Um, But despite everything on the album being extremely solid and again, so many great instrumentals, uh, the star of the record for me, and it sounds like you're kind of pointing this out as well, is that uh, Leanne's vocals are, are the star and they're kind of the standout that are just above everything else, even though everything is at such a high quality and a, a high level. All right, next up, we have Read My Mind. Sweet joy, when a girl meets a read my mind do i love you or do i hate you and it's not i love you oh man that really puts me in a corner (laughs) (laughs) all right what are your thoughts on the song so i love the guitars on this song there's only one other track on the album that that gives it a run for its money as far as it might be my favorite guitars on the album so i will tell you what song that is later um But I think the main thing that I thought about with this song just yesterday, and this is true for all of Leanne's music, is she writes the most incredible parts, like guitar parts, drum, bass, whatever, there. She's not only writing really cool guitar leads and and parts, but she has really amazing tone with her guitar as well. And the thing that I thought about is I actually feel like If you listened to this album and you took out her vocals, it would be almost as equally 
as good an album that like the music is that strong which i don't ever think about with other bands because they're so intertwined and they are with her music too but i feel like she is very very intentional about every single instrument and so it is a great album minus her vocals but as we've mentioned her vocals are insanely amazing so i also feel like if you took out all the instruments and just listened to her vocals you'd enjoy the album again almost as much so i think that just really that's like the highest praise i could give an artist is that both the musical parts and the vocal parts are equally as strong and equally as thought through and interesting that i literally would listen to the album just for each of those those different parts so what I actually did then yesterday is I did exactly what I was thinking I could do, which is I listened through the album just focusing on the instrumentals and and the instruments, and I got so much out of this album just listening to that. And then I listened one more time just listening to her voice as if I'm in the room and she's tracking vocals. Like, would I have any notes for her? Literally, all my notes would be like, done, like this is a perfect record like um so i would just suggest to listeners i'm assuming that i'm probably the only one who's done that because i've never done that in my life listening to an album that way um but i would highly suggest listening to this album both both ways i think you're going to get a lot more out of each track and a lot more out of just the range that leanne has with her music okay that's my long spiel um (laughs) Nate, what do you think about Read My Mind? Yeah, so uh, my first uh, line I have written down is the instrumental is so fire. Um, And what's cool about it, and maybe I'm wrong, and it's not as weird as I think it is, but that intro, like the guitar note she's playing, they're weird. Like they're not uh, like a common type of pattern or even the the tone or the the inflection with each note it it like vibrates in this like really cool unique weird way yeah i think it's i think it is specifically just to kind of fill in i think it is the tone that she's using i think we've heard those notes but she has a really weird effect that almost uh almost bends the note to a note you're not used to hearing Mm. yeah and what's so cool about that is Despite me listening and being like, wow, this is really weird, the song is so smooth. It's not weird in this, like, choppy, like, I don't quite get it. These notes don't fit together. It's weird in the sense of, like, wow, that's an interesting choice. It works so well. Um, I also love the what are you waiting for harmonies that are um, flooded throughout uh, the song. I think they uh, really help uh, just add more depth um, to the song in terms of just texture-wise. When I listen to this song and so many others of Leanne's, I feel, and this is similar to what I think you were saying, I feel like I'm learning and becoming a better music listener. And I know it sounds weird, but I think that's what great records do where... You listen the first time and you only pick up like 10 to 15% of what's happening. You know what I mean? And that's why when you talked about only listening to the music, 
you're doing that because you're like, there's so much here I need to like pick up and pick out. And there's so much deep below the surface that's just not immediately evident. And with each listen, it's like a little shovel in the dirt. It's like one more step closer towards discovering and uncovering its beauty. And so I think this song and all of our songs are a great example of this. Just like not just listening to the song as a whole, but really like listening to each part and how it all works together. Um, and especially where and I'm going off script here, so I'll try and make it brief, but she incorporates a lot of different instruments as like main instruments, not just like, I think there's a lot of records we've listened to together where there's a ton of production, ton of different instruments to use, but the artist usually relies on one instrument mostly where I feel like she relies on so many different instruments, depending on the song and depending on the mood she wants to create, which is extra impressive. All right, next up, we have Green Papaya. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Green Papaya? Well, it's actually, it's a perfect song title because that's how I actually explain you to all of my friends. <laughs> I'm like, ah, how do I explain who Nate is? Well, he's like a green papaya. So um, so okay, I'll, I, I dedicate the song to you. I'll, I'll get ripe eventually. <laughs> I'm, I, I haven't blossomed yet, but hey. my time will come. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So... I really liked what you were saying about, like, her being able to go weird, but not, like, have it be actually weird. Like, it somehow fits her style, because I think that that is worded so well to actually help me understand some of the things that I really love with this whole album, which is there is weird stuff happening, but it doesn't pull you out of the music. And like, I love being a little bit pulled out of music and like trying to overanalyze, like how'd they do that? What is that that's happening? Like I'm a sucker for just the weirdest stuff in music anyway, but she really does incorporate that. And it's always so smooth somehow. Like it never feels like it's a reach by the end but you also know that there was a journey to get there that like you don't just normally pick up a guitar and make that sound or you don't just like start singing and that vocal run comes out like it's very intentional and so um some of the things that stand out to me in this song is the beginning guitar tone uh i think it's one of the more unique uh, guitar tones, maybe on the album. Uh, you already mentioned that there's a great tone on Read My Mind. Um, but that beginning guitar tone, I've actually only heard a similar tone personally uh, from Kevin Crowder. And it's really weird because their music is so different. And so I've come to know that tone as more of like a Kevin Crowder tone. but And he's slightly more electronic poppy she's more r&b soul and pop in there as well and so when she uses it 
it just has a completely different texture than when Kevin Crowder uses it. So I think it's really cool um, how there's almost this weird familiarity with some of the tone in the guitars, but like it fits her style perfect. The chorus of this song, this chorus gets stuck in my head all the time. I think uh, she can write some of the catchiest um, and best vocal melodies. And man, the final chord of the chorus is one of the coolest chord changes I've heard in a while. So just listen to that chorus and then that final chord, I just think is really, really cool. So it's a great track. Nate, what are your thoughts on Green Papaya? So Green Papaya... I mean, I talked about bittersweet being sparse. I mean, green papaya is just bare. I mean, it mainly relies on her acoustic with some bass and some piano at the end. Um, I read about her leaving the drums out of this track intentionally, like her going back and forth. Do I have drums? Do I not? And she decided not to have drums to reflect the vulnerability of the track's lyrics with the vulnerability of its presentation. And after hearing that explanation, I definitely appreciated the song even more because I'm somebody who, at least recently over the past few years, have really grown to love dense music. Like, I love when there's so many layers and I love um, just the fullness of a song. Um, And so when a song is stripped back like this, I can get bored or not um, appreciate its simplicity. And so what I try to do with this track is based off of that explanation she gave, and you you talked about listening to the vocals, I really just tried to listen to the lyrics. Because if the, if the artist is telling you, I'm simplifying this so you can hear what I'm saying, I mean, I feel like I should be like, all right, let me listen to what you're saying. (laughs) And it was a lot more powerful of a track after that for me because I felt like I could hear the vulnerability in in her voice and could hear the words she was saying and hear her heart, which and that's a vulnerable part of the song, not simply her stripping things back, but her stripping back her... um, I guess you could say stripping back her chest and what's guarding her heart. She's really opening herself up and showing herself naked here. And I love the line, um, take me out of the blue, which is one of the last, I mean, I mean, it's one of the last um, new lines without repetition on the song. And I think it could go one of two ways, or maybe it's a, it's a double meaning. I could, Uh, It says, take me out of the blue. And so the double meaning could be, take me out of the blue, which means take me by surprise or out of nowhere. That's like a common phrase. Take like, oh, it caught me out of the blue. It was out of nowhere, caught me by surprise. So this love is taking her by surprise. But I also recognize take me out of the blue could also mean like take me out of the sadness take me out of these blue emotions and like bring happiness into my life. And so my guess is she was very intentional and was meaning both. And it was a double meaning. Um, I'd love to hear her explanation of this, these lyrics, but I just thought it was a really brilliant phrase to really capture. So, um, 
both sides of the, how this love, how could she, she could be wanting to receive this love and what purpose it had um, for her. All right, next up we have, uh, I think it was the first single, but I'm not sure because we did, it's tough when we listen to records kind of after they're released where I just pay way less attention to what was first or what was <laughs> yep. second compared to when we're really anticipating a record before even singles are released. But I think this was the first single and it's called Can't Fight. can't fight what are your thoughts so this is the other track that has a chance to be my favorite guitars on the album i just think they're so unique they're so interesting um this is the track that you sent me when you're like oh hey by the way this like lexi said we should listen to leanne and and you sent me this track so this was my first intro to leanne's music and I mean, I loved it right away. And that doesn't always happen. First track you hear from an artist, depending on an artist, you you kind of need to to listen to more than one track or, or you need to get a better track than just the first one you were sent or something like that. But I loved this track so much. And I think it's just, it has such a cool sound to it. It's definitely one of the most upbeat on the album and the timing of the instruments makes it almost impossible not to just kind of move your body or bop your head uh, to the track. Um, again, the guitars are insanely good and the vocal runs in the verse of the song are just so, so good. I think they're some of the best vocal runs on the entire album. So I think it's a perfect song beginning to end. So Nate, what are your thoughts on Can't Fight? Yeah, so what I'm about to say is contextually ironic. So what I start out by saying is if I'm showing Leanne to someone, I think this is a song I'll show. But I only did that with you because it was the only song I knew and I'd listen <laughs> to. So I didn't intentionally share this song with you, if that makes any sense. But I think this is such a great song to have it be your first song listening to her. Um, because it's upbeat, because it's very easy to track with from start to finish. Like... I would say, even though it's really smartly done, it's a really simple song. And I mean, that's not at all a negative thing. Um, this chorus is one of my favorites of the year. I think it's so catchy and so beautiful. It's actually really nostalgic for me, this chorus. And I think why, and I could be totally... I mean, this people might not make this connection at all. But it sounds, and you might have not watched this show growing up, but it sounds a little bit like the Proud Family theme song, which was a Disney Channel show, which I'm pretty sure Destiny's Child sang that. And it has a little bit of this Destiny Ch Destiny's Child vibe to it. Um, and one other thing that I noticed, which I love, and she doesn't utilize the, these a lot on the record, but I love the orchestral components 
um, within the track as well. And that's just like the icing on the cake for me. Um, but yeah, this is, you can't fight loving this song. That's for sure. <laughs> Very true. Sympathy laugh. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, it, I right. mean, you, you got me. It would just, I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. So it's kind of like a, like unexpected laugh of like, <laughs> like it's not a nice laugh. The line between it being funny or just not being funny <laughs> it's is <very> paper thin. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's actually really <laughs> Alright, our next track If you haven't noticed already Is Paper Thin Love yourself thoughts on paper thin yeah it's a really smooth track i really love the drums and bass with this song those are kind of the standouts to me from uh an instrumental standpoint as per usual her electric guitar work is amazing and her vocals are outstanding it's a great change of pace uh right after can't fight i think the track placement is really strong for this song as well so Again, I feel like I could just keep talking about every song, but I've said so much already. So um, it's a really great song. Nate, what are your thoughts on Paper Thin? Yeah, so I usually spend a lot of time on lyrics, um, but I've been talking more about the music and vocals and specifically instrumentals on this record just because I think with... I don't listen to a lot of artists like Leanne in terms of her style, and... I don't know if there are a lot of artists like her in terms of her fusion of so many different styles, whether it's folk, singer-songwriter, R&B. It's got a little bit of, like, rock in there, a little bit of soul. Like, she has so many different influences, which you can tell, that, I mean, it's just, like, hard not to talk about the music. Um but I'm going to talk about the vo- uh, not the vocals. I'm going to talk quickly about the lyrics on this track. So I want to read the first verse and then just give a short uh, an- a short explanation on my end. So paper thin, God only knows the pain you're in, but the future's bright. You've got God on your side. He's listening. Love yourself, or else you can't love no one else. I know your pain is real but you won't let it heal. And I just love that verse overall. There's tons of verses and uh, lyrics throughout this record that are awesome. Um, but my favorite line on in this, um, in this verse is love yourselves. Sorry, love yourself or else you can't love no one else. And obviously this is a, like loving yourself is a huge um, I would say theme in um, today's culture, but it's funny that that phrase like "love your neighbor as you love yourself" is like it's hard to give others respect and give treat each other treat each other as if one another is valuable and worthwhile and um, 
just like deserving of your love if you don't feel like you're deserving of that love. And it's also hard to give love if you haven't received it. Um, and so I guess like phrases like that can become kind of just like, uh, I guess they can lose their meaning and just become cliches. But I just want to emphasize like just how important of an idea that is um, in terms of uh, the way we view ourselves and the way we treat ourselves deeply impacts the way we treat others. All right, next up we got the interlude. This was, I think, the second single. That was a joke. Um, Out of your mind. thoughts of out of your mind yeah there's not a ton to talk about it's only a minute long um i would say the standout for the song are the layered vocals um it's definitely she's definitely done a lot of vocal harmonies but layering vocals this much it's definitely the most that she does on the album and she does it really well it honestly for the amount of work it would take to layer all of those vocals um i think the product's really cool it does sound like it's kind of has some choir like background vocal type of feels to it so um i think it's really cool i think just overall with it it is nice to have an interlude i feel like her music is so good and there's so much to dissect that it is kind of nice to just have like a a minute to kind of just like breathe and relax a little bit like halfway through the album so i feel like it kind of fits the overall aesthetic or feel of the album that she's going for so i think it's good nate what are your thoughts on this track yeah so i think it's really beautiful really interesting like you talked about the vocal layering and the harmonies and everything i wish it bloomed into a full song but i'm I see its value, like you said, and I'm also just glad we have at least this portion. But that's kind of like the beauty of a great artist is that they leave you longing for more. And it's not that like great artists never give you more. Like, I mean, we'll get into like the last track, Sour Flower, that's like almost seven minutes long. It's not... It's not that great artists just hold back, but it's just like you can see her potential and she can turn something small like this and create a full-fledged, incredible track. And so just knowing her potential is what like makes me long for more. Um, but as an interlude, it's great. And I think, like you said, it serves a great purpose. Next up, we have Weird Fishes.
All right, Andrew, what are your thoughts on weird fishes? So this had to grow on me probably the most of any track from the first time I heard it. Um, I did not know first time I heard it that it was a cover. I did not know it was a cover until fairly recently. Um, And so basically it makes sense that like it stands out as definitely different for her. But it is a Radiohead cover. So Radiohead's kind of hit or miss for me. Again, I mentioned I like really weird stuff. So you'd think that I like Radiohead because that's like their whole aesthetic is just weird. Um, And I do, but it's just kind of like... I can only take so much Radiohead. This song is awesome, though. Like, it really has grown to be one of my favorite tracks. So, first, I love the drum intro. I don't feel like I get enough drum intros these days. I feel like that was, like, a big thing before. And I realized after listening to this album and going through it again, I'm like, oh, there's, like, a drum intro. And I don't remember the last time I heard a drum intro. So, maybe I hear them. I just don't think about them. But um, but I'm happy with that. The synth in the song is really full, and it just sounds really awesome. And then her having the acapella section in the song. Again, I have not actually listened to the original um, that I know of. I probably have, but this might be really different. So I don't know what choices she made. I don't know what choices the actual original track has. Nate, maybe you know better and can fill that in. If you don't, then the listeners can kind of... uh, give or take whatever I'm saying, but I think she does a great job with, yeah, she has that acapella section and then it builds into that later section where she's like belting, um, uh, belting some lyrics out. I think how she builds into that ending section is really perfect. Um, yeah, I think just the first time I was honestly thrown by the title and the lyrics. So, um, I don't think it was the music, and that's where I needed to listen a few more times to get used to it. Um, so, yeah. Nate, what are your thoughts on Weird Fishes? Yeah, so um, I love conversations like this because it's more of a album construction conversation than... I mean, at least to start. It's like... And I tend to really not like covers on records, because for me, it's like these this is your chance to like share your own music, like to show your own artistry. And although covers can do that when you make a song your own and kind of give your own take on it, I just I'd prefer them off to the side. I'd prefer them as like a single or whatever. Um and the um sorry and the albums with covers that i really like tend to be albums where i didn't know they were covers until later so like um we talked about uh we interviewed uh dave from a boy in this kite this year he has a bob dylan cover with god on our side that neither of us knew was a cover until listening to it probably like five or six times and so you fall in love with the song and it feels like their song. And when you find out it's a cover, it's just it's easier to take in. So approaching this song, I knew it was a cover. And I had a f- two choices in my mind, or maybe more. But the two choices were just listen to her version, pretend the real version doesn't exist, 
and just kind of make it her own song so that when I do listen to the the actual original, the song itself will be able to kind of, the cover will be able to stand on its own. But I decided a second uh, choice, which was listen to the original and then listen straight to her cover. And what was cool about that is when I started the original, I was like, wow, this would fit on a record. Like, only like 15 to 30 seconds in. Like, the way the song was minimalistic and the way it was constructed with the drums and everything that was going on, I was like, this song fits. And that's really cool to listen to somebody else's version and say, wow, this fits with her record. Um... So obviously it was an incredible cover choice and it felt like a cover that actually enhances the record rather than detracts from it. And then the cool things that she added, I thought, were um, the her take on the instrumental near the end, I thought was really cool. And... Um, the way she belts out those vocals near the end as well, like Radiohead's version just isn't quite that powerful in that way. And so she's able to keep the heart and soul of the song as it was originally constructed, but really add her own flair. Um, and I think it's great for that reason. Um, it's also cool, too, that it's another UK artist. Um, it feels a bit more... Uh, like homegrown in that sense um and not just like i don't know i like that about it too but anyways thanks for listening to that long spiel all right next up we have please don't make me cry thoughts on this track yeah uh once again this chorus is amazing she really 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 knows how to write a good chorus the whole song is great but i think it the chorus is one of my favorite vocal melodies on the whole album she writes such interesting vocal melodies and cadences and really once again they feel effortless um i also really love the bridge instrumental the chords are definitely something I've heard Muse do before, um, but obviously their style is so vastly different that similar to what I was saying about the Kevin Crowder tone, those chords, I've heard them before, but they sounded so unique in this style. And uh, yeah, it's not like she's reinventing chords, but she is using chord structures or things that that aren't normal. Muse is, again, similar to Radiohead in the sense that they're kind of a weirder band that explores stuff. And I really love that she seems to adopt some of those 
those sounds, and I'm not sure. Muse is from UK too. If she listens to Radiohead, maybe she listens to Muse. Maybe there's some influences there. But I think what's really cool is even if that is an influence, whether again Radiohead, Muse, those bands are so vastly different. It's so cool to hear her take maybe uh, maybe something from them and be able to make it her own and uh, make it just feel perfect within her style. So it's a really well crafted track. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on this track? To those who are listening, critique this song. I dare you. Just find something wrong with it. We're waiting. We'll we'll just wait. It's like a three-hour-long podcast (laughs) of us waiting until, like, logic just cuts us off. (laughs) Me totally unaware that nobody is listening to us right now. This is not live. But um, anyways, uh, on a serious note, uh, I just don't think there's anything uh, wrong you can find with this track. Compared to some of the other songs on the record, which I noted are a bit thin and sparse, this song is very thick, very full. I love the mood of the chorus, especially with the vocal delivery, as you noted. I don't know the technical term, but she kind of rides this wave, turning one syllable and the word cry into two as she then lets the word kind of reverberate and go up and down or back and forth. Um, And the way she does that is just so cool. And I also love the sort of humming in the middle of the song. It sounds like it's not her doing that, but somebody else or a group of others. Um, I could be wrong, but it creates this eeriness in the track that is really mysterious and captivating that I love. All right, next up, we have the track Seven Times. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Seven Times? Well, I agree with Leanne. That's a good intro. <laughs> I, I love I love the intro. It's so cool. And then I love that during the intro, you just hear her go, yeah, that's a good intro. And, like, <laughs> and I'm like, every time I'm just like, you're right. It's a great intro. The acoustic guitar is super catchy. Um, I feel like the whole vibe, especially that intro, but even the song, it makes me want to salsa dance. I have no clue how to salsa dance but i feel like that's like (laughs) the dance that you would do with this um and so i'm always picturing that in my head with this um i also feel like the song's super relatable in 2020 with the chorus line of on night and day i cry and pray i feel like that's a that's probably the most relatable line on the entire album for 2020 Uh, so or or weird fishes or weird fishes yes um yes (laughs) I'm going to not go off on that because I had a thought and I'm like, yeah, that's not. Um, but, but again, it's just, it's a really cool track. And once again, I feel like this song really shows her maturity in her songwriting, which you hear throughout the whole album that everything feels very intentional, feels very easy for her. There's no bad tracks. There's just, like each track stands out and sounds really different while still somehow writing within her kind of the boundaries that she somewhat creates for her style. Uh, 
each track really has its own identity, which is really good. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on seven times? Yeah, so seven is a number of completeness and, like, wholeness. Um, And so her saying, I cry and pray all night, all day, like, and then seven times, it's kind of... I don't think she's saying seven times in the sense of, like, she literally cried seven times. I think she's just that all night all day that's just like constant crying constant praying this wholeness and that's like represents all of her heart in that moment um the verses come across like whatever we're done i'm better without you and i wonder if that attitude of being fine without the other person came from that crying and that praying like all that crying, all that praying, like, made her okay with being fine without that other person. Or if it's just a facade. Like, she's saying to this other person, like, I don't need you. I'm fine without you, blah, blah, blah. But really, all night and all day, she's crying and praying to, like, get over this or be fine with it. And so, either way, I think it's, like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's beautiful either way. But um, I just thought that was a really interesting uh, juxtaposition. The, hey, I'm fine. And it's like, hey, I'm a total mess. I'm like so lost and so heartbroken. And I just really want to just quickly talk about the record as a whole. This breakup, I mean, it seems like a concept record about a single breakup. It could be about multiple breakups or just multiple broken relationships. But um. I read that, and I probably should have talked about this at Bittersweet, but because I'm talking about the lyrics here, she said if it wasn't self-titled, she'd name the record Bittersweet. And I think that idea of Bittersweet is like, I think it's seen in this song, where it's like, hey, this is really hard, this is really bitter, but there's like some good coming out of this and there's some sweetness coming out of being done with you and being on my own. And so, um, again, I just thought she wrote the lyrics really well here and throughout the record, but uh, just really good job. Uh, next up, track 10, second to last track, we have Courage. So I thoughts on courage yeah this is probably one of the slowest tracks if not the slowest track on the album it's just really really beautiful and emotional her voice carries the entire track and lets her voice and and just emotions be very open and vulnerable i really love the track placement i feel like second to last track especially with how sour flower is gonna end the album um 
which we'll talk about in a minute. I just feel like it leads perfectly into that track as well. So, uh, Nate, what are your thoughts on Courage? Yeah, definitely want to echo the last, second to last uh, song feel. It's like slowing down, getting you ready for the last song. Um, It has some weird, almost like alien spaceship-like production, which is really cool. I mean, she's kept the production very tight just very straightforward very focused on the instrumentals there hasn't been a lot of like um unique production elements in terms of um sounds it's just been all like quality of the instruments and so i think that's like a cool thing she adds in there um i read so this record came out five years after her sophomore blood and i think she was having a lot of writer's block and I read that she said she wrote this song in 10 minutes. The whole song. Um, and that must have just... I'd, I mean, it's cool knowing it now, but it must have been like so refreshing in that writing process, having such a hard time writing songs to all of a sudden just have a single push and it pops out. Um, and so that's like a really cool... Uh, detail um and then just lyrically i just want to touch on some things so the main lines of the song are courage save me somehow this is the only way out and i find those lines so fascinating courage save me somehow i'd I'd love to hear her explanation of that line specifically but she personifies courage as something outside of herself courage save me somehow i don't know if it's meant to be ironic like admitting she knows she is the only one who can get herself out of this like like courage save me as like i know i really need to step up and she's just being almost like melodramatic and just like again ironic but I wonder if, on the flip side, if she's admitting that courage is something outside of herself and she needs it, like, provided for her. Like, she has nothing. And uh, she needs somebody else or something else to uh, give her the courage to uh, move on or the embodiment of courage, whatever that might look like. So either way, I think it's beautiful. And again, it's just another cool... A uh, really unique um, writing element that I think adds so much interesting uh, details to the lyrics. All right, last up, closing track, Sour Flower. thoughts on sour flower yeah you already mentioned it's uh almost seven minutes long and i i do love a closing track that takes its time i do think that this uh is a great closing track i would say this song probably has 
her widest dynamic range, and she matches her widest dynamic range with her widest vocal range, I'm fairly certain. She really goes very low, obviously at the very beginning of the song, her voice is very low, and then man does she hit some high notes, um, really when it builds into that chorus and beyond, that she just goes for it, and I feel like that's definitely some of the highest notes that she hits um, on the entire album. I really love just the long ending instrumental. It's really great. Again, a long instrumental at the end of an album always feels really good because you've listened to so much. And similar to our very first podcast we had, talking with Kevin from Valley Heart, where he mentioned how a lot of the tracks do kind of have a longer ending to them to help you be able to wrestle with what you heard in the track itself. And I would say that album is very dense lyrically talking Valley heart. So like you need that for every track. Um, but for this album, it's really nice. Again, I would, I would agree. I think it's more of a concept album. I refer to this album. I always think that it's called bittersweet. So it's really funny that, that she thought about naming it that anyway. Um, but I do think this long instrumental does just help you feel like you're closing up that concept. It, it helps you be able to wrestle with any of the lyrics or even the music that you've heard on the album. And then I really like how it fades kind of out of that ending instrumental to kind of this djembe or bongos or just some sort of a acoustic drum type of sound um, and a bunch of clapping. And you can kind of, it just sounds like it's a room mic. It doesn't sound super professional. It sounds really raw. And then you kind of hear Leanne laugh and like, yep, that's it. We got it. Like, um, it's just a cool... I don't know, because there's a couple times on the album that she actually talks and you hear that. And I feel like she really opens herself up on this album that, like, it feels so personal. It does feel like you're almost there in the studio with her a lot of the album with some of those, like, breaking normal production on an album elements where you actually hear her talking in the studio just kind of random. Um, and so I think it's a cool way. I, I really, I smile at the end of this song every time just hearing her laughing and, and kind of closing the album that way. So I think it's a really, really, really great ending track. Nate, what are your thoughts on Sour Flower? So um, Leanne said that Sour Flower is a phrase her great-grandmother used to say, meaning that's your Sour Flower, that's your problem, you deal with it. Which, again, I think is such a... a beautiful metaphor for the record as a whole and how she handles things um and it's also just so sweet for her to include that phrase and that title in like memory of her great grandma um i just think like little touches like that are just like i don't know they're just so special and so cool but uh, this is a perfect closer. It's epic. It's powerful. It's a statement. And as I just mentioned, it summarizes a lot of the main messages of the record. My favorite part of the song outside of her vocal melodies and performance is the bright piano melody that is kind of spread throughout the song. I think it adds such a great texture and it adds a light to the song, like a brightness, um, a warmth that I think is uh just so great uh for this track and um yeah it's an incredible track and what's awesome and we talk about this a lot like 
last songs are so important on good records where it's like it's that it's a confirmation track it's like we just listened to 10 other tracks i know technically this isn't the last she has a shortened version of bittersweet but we don't include that um but like there's 10 other really great tracks if this last one is as good it's like okay we got an incredible album um and for this to be one of the best songs on the album i would say is just um all the more uh better for just talking about how great of a record this is all right now we're gonna start to recap the album and start to close our conversation on this album and we like to do that by starting with talking about our favorite song on the album so nate you can go first nate what was your favorite song on this album yeah, so I think my favorite song is probably Sour Flower, and I think it's just a combination of it's a great closing track. It's really personal. I love the side of it with their grandmother. It's also just really dynamic and capturing almost all of the great parts of the record. It like showcases all of the dynamics practically and her vocal range and she has such a great vocal performance on this song um i just love everything about it and with records i think last tracks are just so important because they really either close the record out really well or kind of leave you wishing it ended better and this is just a great example of a great closing track what about you andrew what's your favorite song on this record yeah, for me, I think it has to be Can't Fight. I just feel like it's the one that I'm probably going to keep listening to maybe the most on the album. Uh, Nate, as you pointed out, I think it's the one that I would show people fastest as well. I just think it's a great representation of everything that she can do. I love the guitars in it. I just I, I feel like it's basically a perfect song. I could say that about multiple songs on this album. But for me, my favorite is Can't Fight. All right, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to mention our favorite part of this album and our least favorite part of this album. So I'll start this. uh, So my favorite part of this album, it's hard to pick a favorite. The part of the record that probably stands out to me the most is honestly her her vocals throughout and i'm just gonna say sour flower some of those high notes that she's singing and belting i just think like i don't know those vocals are just insanely good and perfect so i don't know that's probably my favorite uh part on the record but there's so many parts i could mention as far as my least favorite it's honestly a very very consistent album and it's hard um so let me go quick nitpicky because that's what I have to do. Um, I don't care about number 12, like, of the ending of, like, having the shortened version of Bittersweet at the end. I would personally like it to not even be on the album. Uh, that's my nitpicky. Again, like, I can't count it in my head. 
And it is a little annoying. Again, I'm going very nitpicky. It's annoying because of how much we've listened to this album that I literally just have it on loop and it keeps going. And so the amount of times <laughs> that I just heard Bittersweet back to back was probably not my favorite. So I would rather that just be released. I, I think we both assume it's more of the radio version. And so it would be nice if that was just released separately as like, hey, here's the radio edit um, and, and not actually on the album. I would think that that would help the album feel a little tighter, um, just it not even existing. Um, and then, I don't know, like, honestly, because I didn't know Weird Fishes was a cover, I'm totally fine with it. I agree with you that normally I'm not a huge fan of covers, but but I really like it. And there's no bad tracks here. The instrumental, like, the interlude there, like... Again, I actually see a purpose for it where normally I'd be like, ah, you don't really need it. It's fine without, but but I see a purpose. So it's hard to go really nitpicky. So I guess I'll just settle on the doubling up of Bittersweet, which feels the most nitpicky and like first world problem. But um, but yeah, Nate, what are your thoughts? Uh, your least favorite and favorite. Yeah, so for favorite, I would say... Um, one of my least favorite things with music listenership, and this is just me being extremely judgmental and um, it's something I just need to get over, is when people like artists just for their voices. Almost like, to me, it's like, it's like speaking of covers, it's like a cover culture thing where it's like, the artist doesn't have to write great songs. They are probably singing a lot of other people's songs that are written for them anyways. And the only reason people listen to them is because they have this vocal talent. And that kind of bothers me where it's like vocal talent is only like one aspect of what makes a great artist. And so you could have the best voice in the world, but if you don't have great songs, it's like... It's nice, but it's just whatever. And so I my favorite part of the record is the fact that she isn't just all vocals. The fact that she has great songs to fall back on and that her greatest strength, which is her vocals, isn't her only strength, if that makes sense. Um, and then for weakness, I would say... Um, or the thing that I would critique the most. Um, it's tough because it might be myself, if that makes sense, um, in terms of probably my least favorite part of the record is um, the song Paper Thin, which is like really good. But it, it kind of gets boring for me, the overall feel of the song, especially so close after Green Papaya, where I'm glad there's that break with Can't Fight. I'd like Paper Thin a lot less if it was back-to-back -back with Green Papaya. But um, I kind of wish... Dennis, it's a balance. Like, obviously... The beauty of this record is that I'm growing as a music listener and it's not the way I want it. And I need to learn to listen differently. But also for my taste, I wish he had a few more tracks that were like Can't Fight or like Please Don't Make Me Cry or like Sour Flower that were just a bit more dense, a bit more um, packed 
with stuff and a bit more layered um, and a bit more upbeat at times as well. Um, I think I personally would have enjoyed that better, but that doesn't mean it's a weakness of the record. It's just more of a tasting and my tastes are going to grow. And um, I might disagree with this take a couple months from now. I don't know. But just where I stand, that's my my only critique. And then out of 10, Andrew, what would you rate, rate it out of 10? Yeah, I'm going to give it... It's so hard because... So I'll just let you know my process because I haven't quite landed on my score yet. This is so hard to compare to other albums because I would say it's so unique compared to a lot of the albums we've done this year. And so where I personally like other albums more, it's also really hard because I feel like it's about perfect for what it is. So... My score, I'm just warning people, is going to sound nitpicky, but I'm just trying to actually give it the score based off of, I guess, my general like ranking, almost as if I'm ranking it in my top 10. So I'm going to give it a 9.4. <laughs> That's so high, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's really high. Again, it's just like, I don't know what is wrong with the album. So, so it's super high. It's like maybe the highest score. I've given, but I'm also giving the caveat that it's like, it's just, it's perfect for what it is, basically. So it feels even low being 9.4, but I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with it and I can't find anything. So I'll go real high, 9.4. Nate, what did you do? You were, I was like, is he going to give it an eight point something? But then you're like, wow. Um, so I'm going to go. 9.2, which again, another high score. I'm leaving that 0.8 for my critique, which I said. So the score could change if I change, or um, it's just missing that I wish it was a little more upbeat, a little more full at times. So, yes. So that brings us to a 9.3 together, and it's definitely one of our high, highest rated uh, albums. Um, but also, to be fair, we try to only review and only interview records that we love. And that's, I think, one of the beautiful things about the podcast. We're not trying to be overly critical, but we're also not lying to you. If we don't love a record, we're just not going to talk about it. We're just not going to review it. We're not going to reach out for an interview. So just doing the record almost the score doesn't even matter we're letting you know we love the record because we're actually talking about it on the podcast well thanks so much for listening we hope you enjoyed our leanne lahavis episode if you want to connect with us we would love to connect with you through our socials so both twitter and instagram you can find us at ldl pod and you can also email us like nate mentioned earlier in the podcast you can email us at long distance listening at gmail.com let us know other black artists that uh, you like as much or even more than Leanne that we should make sure that we are listening to and just 
keep a lookout for our top 10 uh, albums of the year. Start thinking about your own top 10. Uh, We love, uh, I'm going to speak for myself, but I'm also speaking for Nate. We really love seeing people's top 10 lists. Mm, So so when when we post our top 10, we want you to post your top 10 back to us. So make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter. That way you can reply with your top 10. We can let you know why your top 10 is better than our top 10. (laughs) And, uh, and go from there. So this is honestly one of the parts of the year that is most exciting is just being able to talk about our favorite albums of the year. And uh, and yeah, so keep an eye out for future episodes. You can subscribe, rate, review. That really helps the pod as well. So wherever you are listening, please just, yeah, hit the subscribe button uh, there. And uh, then you won't miss other episodes. So... Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Your horses, buddy.